Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. And I'm particularly grateful to Ann Nelson for all of her incredible research and writing and trying to educate the public about what's happening politically. Uh, Her awesome book, uh, Shadow Network, is a must read if you're listening to this um, and you're an activist and you want to understand the forces that have brought us to this moment. Uh, in 2023. Uh, You're a prize-winning writer, many books, contributor to New Republic, Washington Spectator, Times Literary Supplement, research scholar at Columbia University School of International and Public Affairs. And before I, I, forgive me for flattering you, but I just want to read a little, some things about Shadow Network and the, the subtitle is Media, Money, and the Secret Hub of the Radical Right. Publishers Weekly said, an absolutely momentous piece of investigative journalism. NPR.org uh, said, you can't convert anxiety into votes without cash, and Nelson does an excellent job following the money. Readers curious about how the American right gets its message out will find much to admire in it. And then Timothy Snyder, who is a historian professor at Yale, wrote on tyranny, wrote to unfreedom, he's on interviewed all the time, said, quote, Ann Nelson's work on middle America in Shadow Network reveals a political trend that threatens both our form of government and our species, unquote. Wow. And then I'll just finish reading, if you don't mind, Anne. Shadow Network shines a light on the secretive network of right-wing fundamentalists, oil barons, and other interests who have waged a 40-year, 40-plus-year campaign to take over Washington. It coordinates the political activism of many member organizations, including the NRA, the Federalist Society, which has put six Supreme Court justices now, uh, awful, uh, and Family Research Council. In 2016, its members cut a deal with Donald Trump, who had been advancing their agendas from the White House, and... um, Trump is out of the White House and the media still is talking about Trump as a a genius and a mastermind. I'm going to pitch you a softball. What sayeth thou, Anne? I say that there's been at least a three ring circus and he's only one ring of the circus and probably not the significant one at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, he has mattered historically, but, but Obviously, in, when you talk about this timeline going back well over 40 years, yep. he is a recent development. Uh, he was kind of plug and play for them. They had an mm-hmm. agenda. He appeared. He cut the deal with them. Both sides carried out their, their commitments and were pretty happy with it. And that mm-hmm. deal has gone on until now. But I think my strong opinion is that at the moment, they see Trump as damaged goods. For, for very good reason. I agree. <laughs> and they have moved on, even if he hasn't. Yep. So their attention is elsewhere. Um, right now, I think that they're still very interested in how 
destructive they can be in their management of the House of Representatives. And they had a lot to do with the recent chaos in terms of the, the McCarthy's candidacy for speaker. Yep. They're looking at state legislatures uh, and and looking ahead to 2024, they would be more than happy to swap out for DeSantis or Cruz or Pence. Yep, I could completely agree. And we're going to talk a lot more. But first, for my listeners who may not know of your work and what is the Council of National Policy, please uh, give us the, the frame for this discussion. I learn more about it all the time. I just read an analysis of something called the Powell Memo from 1971 that could be considered ground zero for the CNP. Uh, a strategist named Paul Weirich was involved in the implementation. And what that said was that a bunch of greedy corporate figures wanted to figure out how to change the course of the U.S. government in providing entitlements and a safety net and to lower taxes on the wealthiest Americans. Right. And then along the way, over the next decade, they found that they needed a, to create a voting block of people that had poor educations, poor information, and were easily duped. And that would mm -hmm. be evangelical Christians. They mm -hmm. realized that there was a voting block of some 18 million Christians uh, that could be manipulated. And in yeah, 1981, and that's grown. But go ahead, please. It, yeah, but it, you know they've they've identified that number specifically through another strategist yeah. named Ralph Reed. And in 1981, yeah. they formed the Council for National Policy. Weirich was mm -hmm. one of the co-founders which is an umbrella group for major donors like the DeVos family of Michigan. Uh, Amway. Of Amway. And Eric yeah, Prince. Yeah. Eric Prince mm -hmm. uh, from, from married into the dynasty. Foster right. Freese of Wyoming and others uh, to fund groups like the Family Research Council and the NRA uh, and to work with choosing very strategic elections that would give them undue influence in the national political map. So 1981 right. to the present, they have been absolutely methodical about carrying this out, while the Democrats have been largely clueless. Yes. And I, I need to add that I was in the moon cult, 74 to 76. And back then, Moon was talking about democracy was satanic. We had to infiltrate the government into all the congressmen and senators. Uh, I was sent to fast for Nixon during Watergate on the Capitol stairs for three days because God said uh, Nixon needs to be president. And uh, the Moonies were involved at the beginning of the CNP. In fact, the Moonies newspaper, the Washington Times, had a CNP person, uh, James Whalen, be their founding editor. And to this day, nobody seems to want to talk about the Washington Times as a propaganda mill of the right wing. And but in if fact, you want to find a bed written by a member of the Council for National Policy, the Washington Times is your first stop. Yep, exactly. And I just want to add with Paul Weirich, I know that he partnered with William Lind, who is an American military strategist, as you know, who wrote a paper about fourth generation warfare aimed at creating chaos. 
and distrust of experts, science, institutions, in order to make people so afraid that their amygdalas were on overactive and their critical faculties were offline so that an authoritarian could say, I know what to do with certainty. Trust me, we'll fix this. And in the meantime, uh, democracy and the checks and balances and the regulations were being systematically uh, dropped and, and peeled back by these people, right? Yeah, but it's also taken a lot of lies, bold-faced, absolute lies. And mm -hmm. what they realized was that they couldn't sell these lies to dupe the voters unless they had their own media systems that would surround the voters with the lies. And you know, I yeah. wrote a previous book called Red Orchestra about Nazi Germany, and the, the way that it corresponds to Joseph Goebbels' strategy for media is, is actually astonishing. You know, you say, right. why did Germans believe Nazi propaganda? Most of them had access to no other information. So you're going to believe what you're surrounded by. So if you're a, a fundamentalist voter in one of these states, you will get this lie from your pastor at the pulpit of your church. You'll get it on the radio, driving home from one of their partner radio networks, like Salem Media, like Bot Radio, like American Family Radio. Then you'll get it yep. on your Facebook feed because they've got an entire digital media strategy. And then you'll turn on the television yep. and get it from the Christian Broadcasting Network, which is another partner for this. And right. they'll be all repeating the same outright lies with the same language, yep. with the same celebrity spokespeople. And it's killing yep. people, Stephen. I, I mean, I, yes. I may sound a little angry, but these same systems are telling innocent Americans not to get vaccinated. Yes, exactly. They're telling Many them that ivermectin is a cure for COVID. And people are dying because of this yes. disinformation. And that, that does make me angry. It should, absolutely. And um, I just want to comment that Goebbels uh, got his stuff from Edward Bernays, the, the nephew of Freud, who wrote the 1928 book Propaganda. In fact, uh, Bernays said Goebbels tried to hire him for the Nazi propaganda. And, um, you know, I listened to the uh, Rachel Maddow podcast about Nazis in America called Ultra. And uh, they were they were infiltrated po politicians. That's why America didn't get involved with World War Two and come to the aid of Jews, because there was a lot of anti-Semitic, you know, Christian front right wing. And I'm interviewing a, 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 a Jesuit historian and uh, Charles Gallagher, who wrote Nazis in Copley mm -hmm. about the Christian front mm -hmm. and uh, the, uh, the, the Coughlin, the, the, the Catholic priest who had that huge radio following, right. right? So the, the right-wing infiltration has been here for a long time, but they have an agenda and they have a lot of very wealthy people that they've recruited and indoctrinated. And I, I read recently someone gave uh, Leonard Leo a billion dollars to continue his, his uh, 
his mission, what you know, to well, it, subvert the separation Seid, of church. Well, this was Barry who is and... a Jewish uh, businessman in Chicago, and it was $1.6 billion, which is a chunk of change. Now, Leonard Leo, I've been, I, I have more research in the works on this question. Uh, he mm-hmm. has a network of donor organizations and implementation organizations that have been all about shaping the courts. They put a massive yeah. amount of money into blocking Merrick Garland's appointment to the Supreme Court. Right. And then right. they move on to supporting the the appointment of the judges that we've seen making these draconian judgments in the Supreme Court. And it, what, what we have right now is what I call the worst court money can buy. Yeah, that's a good quote. I think we need to use that in our blog for this recording. Um, and of course, uh, Barrett was raised in a, in a cult, a covenantal community called People of Praise, and there wasn't a single question about it in her, her uh, nomination. And it was it's so upsetting uh, to realize that um, politicians have been bought off. Well, Foreign and, governments you are... Know, I, I mean, in terms of those, those uh, p- hearings questioning the nominees, uh, well, they, they actually lied. They misrepresented their own yes. positions and told people yep. what they thought they wanted to hear. And then they rule quite differently once they have their seat. So, uh, yep. you know, the American public is being bamboozled in a shameful manner. Exactly. Yes. And I want to just ask you to uh, talk a little bit about what happened in Brazil recently with a version of the January 6th down there, because my understanding is that his followers were basically radicalized through Facebook. And, uh, you know, and, and the media is calling it a popularist uprising around the world. And I see it as cultists who've been radicalized by bad actors. Well, this requires a, a real, real attention to the role of Pentecostal churches in Latin America. Now, I grew up as a Midwestern Protestant. We were Main Street Methodists, and really there wasn't much mystery to it. It was a pretty centrist and apolitical life where you went to church and sang some hymns and tried to be a good person. Right. Um, Right. But the Methodist Church, like the other Protestant churches, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, etc., worked under an organization. There were bishops. Uh, there's oversight. If a if a if a minister misbehaves, he, they have to be answerable to a governing body. Pentecostal churches do yep. not work that way. Anybody can hang up a shingle and say, "I was called by God." Get tax exemption. Start collecting the money from the plate or online, as is the fashion these days, and they're tax exempt and pretty much bulletproof as far as the IRS is concerned. They have a vast Mm. international network where the same churches and the same pastors can be working, especially in Latin America and the Philippines. So you have countries like Brazil that were formerly predominantly Catholic, and these Pentecostal churches have not only proliferated, they've been the avenues of influence 
for political bad actors who are using these ungoverned and ungovernable institutions to prey upon largely impoverished and easily influenced populations. Yeah, exactly. And I've done, I talked about uh, new apostolic reformation groups and just from my listeners in the chance that you haven't uh, understood all the things I've been putting out. Uh, these are people, as Anne correctly said, to say, I'm an apostle or a prophet who gets direct revelations from God, and I speak in tongues, I cast out demons, I do faith healings, and Satan is everywhere, but I can protect you from satanic influence. And they do behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control, a la my bite model of authoritarian control, which I did my doctoral dissertation on. These are not legitimate, in my opinion, churches, spiritual groups, because there's no informed consent. There, as you were saying, there's no checks and balances of ethics, and there's uh, no encouragement of conscience or that you can challenge and ask questions, or if you decide you're not happy there, legitimate churches bid you well and say, stay in touch. And these cults, Satan's going to get you, Satan! And people have phobias that they can't be spiritual or be with God or have a future if they leave the covering of these cult leaders. And we're talking, in my understanding, 650 million people worldwide and 40 million currently in the United States. Yeah, and, and I do believe, the, the based on my reporting and my experience, that there are Pentecostal churches that do function as recognizable religious bodies where the pastor mm -hmm. is not running. I, I will grant cult, that. And they're, they're, they're trying to live a Christian life. So I don't want to say that every Pentecostal church falls under this label, but enough do that should really raise our concern. And you know, the, the problem is also that we have given the Internal Revenue Service basically no mechanisms for holding them accountable on any grounds so their financial right. activities and their political activities are utterly unregulated. Yep. I just recently interviewed a brilliant law professor, uh, Marcy Hamilton, CEO of Child USA, who wrote God versus the Gavel many years ago. And she just talked about how religious freedom is being used as a way to dismantle the separation of church and state and give a free pass to sexually abuse, defraud people, enslave people, kill people uh, for those who are you know, putting out disinformation um, about vaccination and, and, and Fauci and such. Um, and I do, my understanding, it's my the, cat oh, is, is that trying cat? to chew the phone and I'm discouraging her. So <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Hi, cat. Um, in any case, yeah, it's, it's, um, my understanding, it's the NAR. That's the group that distinguishes it from Pentecostal churches with 
a, a board of directors and checks and balances and accountability for where the money is going. Yeah, the, the um, NAR is worth so that's my examination. And there are several experts that have done incredible research on this. And one of them is Professor Andre Gagné at Concordia. I interviewed him twice uh, for, book, for, for the cult of Trump. He, he was, was a pastor indeed, of one of knows. these. <laughs> Before he became a yes, Bible scholar. And, uh, yes. And Frederick Clarkson has and, been fabulous, uh, Andres too. Ha- has published a book. It's in French. I, I reviewed it for the TLS. Um, but it's a, it's a really good uh, starting point. There's also somebody who's been active on Twitter named Bruce Wilson, who is a researcher in Boston. And his work is, is very fine. Mm-hmm. So I think that Good. You know, I have to say that as I, I, I studied religious history in college, I've written about it, and uh, and there's a lot of it in in Shadow Network. But I have to say that this whole world of the Pentecostals, which you know are twentieth, they they basically began their history in Los Angeles in around 1920, and it really has right. uh, gone under the radar for a lot of people who study religion partly because it is so amorphous. Um, now, it is incredible. I mean, you, I might argue that it's one of the most, that it might be the most dynamic, powerful religious political movements in the world right now. It's incredibly powerful in Africa, yep. where it's promoting really damaging, yes. destructive anti-LGBT policies in countries that are leading to violence. Yes. But I also, to get back to your question, yep know that they had a very strong influence in organizing the mobs that have have uh, agitated in support of Bolsonaro. It's an organizing right. principle that hides yeah, exactly. under the cover of religion. Right. So I do want to just comment and say that way back in my career in the 70s, I when I was helping people get out of cults beyond the moonies scientology i dealt with people in a cult called the way international which was a white uh survivalist uh you know gun-toting uh speaking in tongues cult of victor paul werewell who claimed that he uh could cure cancer and other things he died of throat cancer i believe but anyway um they would have a course teaching people how to speak in tongues. And so because I was helping people get out, I was naturally very curious. So, and then they'd have somebody translating, Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love your, you know, and it's called glossolalia is the technical term. And believers are told that's proof that they have the Holy Spirit and that they believe that it's ancient tongues. But linguists have analyzed all of these from different countries, and they're not ancient tongues. They're phonemes that are being mishmashed with whatever your native language is, San. And But people believe that it's a sign of the Holy Spirit. You know, what sad. really puzzles me is that people buy into these uh, movements and they manage to neglect the core of Christianity in which you are told to love your neighbor 
and to help the poor and to welcome the stranger, right? And, and you know, the people who call themselves red-letter Christians go back to the words of Jesus printed in red letters. And that's what it's right. overwhelmingly about. And they go in and they avoid yeah. those and they cherry pick these, you know, kind of bizarre little episodes in the Gospels and amplify them into the main event. Yes. So I may add, if I may, I'm Jewish uh, and uh, the Abrahamic faiths all believe in the great commandment, love God with all your heart, mind and strength, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a love doctrine. And Abraham had his tents open for anyone to come and visit and he would feed them and give them drink. And it was not what is now being peddled as spiritual and religious um, ideology at all. And the schism that's occurred in the Catholic Church, and I've done some blogs on that, where these right-wing uh, Catholics think, think that the current pope is satanic and because he's saying we should help immigrants and we should help women and we should worry about climate change. They think he's satanic, and that's the messaging that they're doing. And it's you know, whoa. you go back to Ezra, and it's do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And I figure these guys go zero for three. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's um, it, it it, and I'll just say that for me, one of the things that's missing in the response to all that's happening is people who do love Jesus, who know the scripture, being more vocal and being amplified to reach out. Like for me, and to be honest, when I would see one of these uh, ministers who was preaching against vaccination, and then he's in the ICU dying of COVID and saying I was wrong, like, I didn't understand why people weren't taking that video and going up to every one of the parishioners and saying, this is your pastor. Like, don't don't you take him well, seriously Well, I'd like to address now. that, see. That's, but that's, no one was following I'm in touch up. With, Please. Uh, you know, my reporting puts me in touch with people all over the country. And there are pastors who are mm -hmm. over this. Um, and they say that, that their their congregations aren't listening to them, they're listening to QAnon. And if they counter what QAnon yes. is feeding them, the pastors lose their positions. So there's a really interesting organization called I've the American Values too. Coalition that tries to help pastors mm. with with materials on on responding to disinformation and QAnon in their congregations. And the pastors are really hungry it's, for this. Uh, you know, they don't want con the QAnon yeah, as the I gospel. <laughs> this is a book coming out uh, in a number of months by Christians yeah. trying to address it. I, it's not out yet, but it needs There's to be out immediately. There's another group that is but, uh, um, called Good yep. Faith Media. And it's, it's a okay. group of... Well, for the most part, people who belong to the Southern Baptist Convention and said that politics had hijacked mm -hmm. their faith 
They didn't want their churches to become vehicles for Trump or for right wing politics. They just wanted to have their 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 way of worship. And a lot of them now have drifted over to something called the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, which is uh, Hmm. really trying to counter the Trumpist movement in the Southern Baptist Convention, which I write about in Shadow Network. Uh, so they've got a whole, they have a, a publishing company, they have podcasts, and these groups are, you know, part of the problem that I see as somebody from Nebraska and Oklahoma, where I grew up, is that people feel very isolated, right? The pastors and the people mm. who are trying to live, you know, a good life feel that they're just under attack. Right. And they're surrounded by people who yep. are being brainwashed by this media, which is, the case. Yep. And half yes. of what you need to do yes, is connect are. them and amplify them and give them mutual support. And so if you, with your background, haven't heard of yep. these groups, then, well, I, I, I think haven't. that, um, you know, we say, why haven't they been amplified? And I think the question is also that the national news media has a lot more, you know, it's more clickbaity to report on Christian nationalists yes. and all Christians are racist and white supremacists and all evangelical, blah, 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 than it is to do this, this deep reporting about this, what I call the soft Christian center, right? They're not the leftists. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. marching, you know, on Washington. They're right. just kind of everyday decent people who, you know, want to live their lives. And they've been targeted politically right. but I've been, by the Republicans. And for the most part, yeah. they've been neglected and sometimes insulted by the Democrats. Yeah, which is so counter what we need to do. We need to come together and bring our mutual strengths and understandings together and illuminate one another I've been censored, Anne, from my point of view by the mainstream media, by the corporate media around the whole issue of brainwashing and mind control. I mean, they'll have a quote from me about some salacious cult like Nexium or Lawrence Ray of the uh, or or R. Kelly, but they don't want to explain to the public how to discern the difference between ethical influence and unethical influence, which is what I did my doctoral thesis on. Uh, a method that actually could hold up in a court of law. That's if we had judges that actually cared about justice um, to make that distinction between ethical influence, informed consent, conscience, critical thinking, access to others' sources of information, freedom to exit without fear or harassment versus these authoritarians that lie and trick and hatred and doctrine over conscience and 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 demands for total of obedience and submission, which um, you're sub- if you're submitting to a person who claims they're God's agent on earth, you're in trouble because that's my work with cults, all types of cults, but in particular this. And um, when combating my first book, and when it came out, the uh, the Southern Baptists gave it a positive review. I mean, it was focused on the Moonies and Moon claiming to be fulfilling Jesus's failed mission. But um, I don't know. 
but uh, this is the beginning of a, a hope, uh, getting people excited and interested that there really is a frame that can explain the mess that we're in. And, and as we talked about uh, at the very beginning, this is not Trump being a genius. As a, the thesis is it's been going on for 50 years. He was selected, but there are bad actors who want for their own greed. Maybe they're in Ayn Rand, uh, uh, selfishness is good and altruism is evil ideology. Maybe they're anarchists or libertarians, or maybe they're Russia and other dictatorships that want to just subvert American power and legitimacy of our currency and have civil war where we're killing each other with 20 million AR-15s that my former cult has a, a, a gun factory ma making, by the way. Well, you know. I think that you can tie those what elements together. Um, we know that there are economic interests, uh, including these powerful figures in the United States, who, who yep. basically have been working to dismantle the New Deal, right? Yeah, wasn't there an attempted coup when the New Deal you was... You know, yeah, the business interests of America were not happy about Social Security. They weren't happy about Medicare. They're still not. Yeah. They'd like them to go away. Or going right? off of gold, yeah. right? So, so you have the plutocrats in the United States. We have evidence that Russia and the Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg has been a player in the social media disruption. That's that's a known fact. We you know, we've got chapter and verse on that. Uh, now, yep. it's clear that there are interests from fossil fuel industries in both camps. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yep. I think that they've worked. To, they've also been trying to oppose environmental regulations. Right. Every regulation that talks right. about fossil fuels and combustion and uh, trying to save the climate uh, is an enemy to them because it carves into their uh, profits. So so it, these these forces do work together. They're not necessarily the same, but they overlap and they have a coordination. Yeah. Um, and I, if I had an army of researchers, I would I would deploy them to look at what Paul Weirich was doing when he went to Russia in 19 in the early 1990s. Right. He was commuting yep. to Moscow. What was that about? Why are Russian oil interests yes. in collusion with the with big oil? Uh, why is the Russian Orthodox Church coordinating? with the American religious right. You know, we can see the footprints, but we yep. haven't had the ability to put it all together into a watertight package yet. Yeah, I, I know Fred Clarkson is working on a new book. Uh, you know, he did Eternal Hostility um, about the Christian right. I think he's trying to do some of that in this new edition. But it's very important that people understand the level of infiltration that has happened in the United States of of Putin and and uh, um, 
the NRA, people forget Maria Butina and the NRA. And she went back to Russia and became a parliamentarian. Yeah, yeah. Huh? But this was the woman who's saying we need more assault rifles. Like it's evil that you're trying to, you know, take our guns away from us. In the meantime, Russians aren't allowed to have revolvers as private citizens. They'll be put in jail immediately. No, it's it's agents of chaos. And if you go back to some of the founding documents of the Council for National Policy and its partners, they're saying that that's what they want. They want to create chaos. Yeah. Uh, and the federal right. government is their enemy. They don't want us to have a Department of Education or yeah, uh, environmental department or any anything that serves the citizens, right? Right, and, and that connects with Catherine Stewart's fine research yeah. on homeschooling and the dumbing down of of young people. And fortunately, there's a whole lot of people leaving called exvangelicals who realize that what they were taught in their childhood. Uh, is you know no history, no science, yeah. you know, no no women's rights or uh, and such. Um, but really, we need more education of citizenry and a, a a sense of common goals. And you know, to me, I think about these oil barons; they want their money, greed, profits. But we're on one yeah. planet. And 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 it, they're destroying their own habitat. It makes me think of cancer cells running amok in a human body, but they're not thinking, "Oh, uh, we're going to kill our hosts, so we're going to die too." But we're going to die too. Yeah, except that they, the model that, that I think, after long study, that they appear to have is that yeah. of a gated community, right? You just build. You you build. Uh, an oasis for yourself and your family and you build a wall with barbware to keep everyone else out. Now you can go to many major cities. I mean, I'm thinking of Miami, right? Where these are, are, are ubiquitous, but then you go beyond mm. that. The Koch brothers have a compound in Wichita, right? Uh, they, they, they buy their own facilities. Um, and then you can take that beyond to the tech billionaires, you know, and people like Peter Thiel trying to buy up you know, large portions of New Zealand, right? That's that's like a right, massive right. gated Doug community, Rushkoff. right? Yeah, Doug Rushkoff just did a book about that. I, that's right. I, and I then you I kind of go that into excellent. that thinking even deeper and you see that they take themselves to other planets so that they can leave the rest of us behind with the detritus. Right. That's a whole mentality that yes. they appear to have. Yeah. Long termism. Yeah. No, I think it's part of uh, uh, an indoctrination piece, too, honestly. But um, I don't know. I, I'm in the business of helping people reality test and exit these bubbles of authoritarianism and to actually start reality testing and getting in touch with their own heart and like realizing their children like matter and um uh, and fresh air matters and you know that that we're really killing our planet 
And but I'm not. I mean, I if somebody asks me, you want a billion dollars maybe to get researchers to to write all this up. I want I want less than a billion. I'll take five hundred million. I don't need I'm a billion. <laughs> um, I'll I'll take well one point six billion. I mean, if Leonard yeah. Leo gets that, we why can't we like approach billionaires who will never spend the money that they've accumulated? And say, time to pony up real money to really get the top people together to develop a, a counter plan and isn't just reactive, but proactive, something that we can do over decades. Well, and, this is a um, question I've been looking at I as don't well. Know. And I think that part of the problem is our national divide. The the billionaires who might be open to these ideas are concentrated on the coasts and in urban areas. Mm. And the people I see. who understand the dynamics of middle America, where this election crisis and this cultural crisis is going on, tend to be uh, yeah. invested in businesses and resource you know, extraction. So you've yeah. got the billionaires, you know, who lean democratic, very focused on their own narrow, blinkered urban issues, right? Which are mm. important. I mean, it's not that I disagree yeah. with them, but if you're so invested in promoting, you know, racial justice and LGBT justice and, and all of these other issues that matter, but you don't look at who's winning the Senate race in Missouri, you're going to lose. And that's what's been happening. That's what happened yeah. in, the, in, in, the, in the House yeah. of Representatives, right? Um, yes. So yeah. the divide then widens. And the impact that yeah. we're going to see, and we are seeing right now, is that McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy paid the price of compromising with the radical right of the Republican Party, including the Freedom Caucus, mm. which is heavily overlapping with the Council for National Policy, and gave them yep. unprecedented powers over his actions. And they are going to be yep. using those to really cause not just chaos, but, but paralysis in terms of the budget, yeah. the economy, any uh, progress that that Biden wants to to work towards, uh, so so we're going into a period of of their doing their best to cripple cripple our our processes. Yeah, but uh, I believe it was today or yesterday. Paul Krugman wrote a, a an op ed saying that he thinks that. Actually, if the midterms were happening today, that the Democrats would have would have kept the House too. That he feels like the economy is better. Maybe he's wishful thinking, but he is a Nobel Prize winning economist. And as my British husband would um, say, if pigs had wings, they could fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little surprised at his optimism or his his analysis. But can we can we spend our last 10, 15 minutes talking. Um, what can anyone listening to this who cares, like specific concrete things that people can do locally and depending on their resource network and 
creativity and other skills? What can we do together to make this? Well, I, I think what I see are, I would say three actions. One is to behave hyper locally. What this movement tries to do is take over school boards, take over the local precinct mm-hmm. level Republican Party, take over local offices and state local level offices in order to, yep. to screw things up. They want the schools to be dysfunctional. Yep. They want the uh, Republican precinct to, to challenge elections without evidence. They want the state to impede the elections, you know, the fair results of elections. So right. in order to counter that, right. people have to jump in and run and fight for these offices that are not so glamorous. They're a lot of work. They're not a lot of reward. But it's basically the ground-level democracy that that the country needs to run. So that would be number one. The second is to Mm -hmm. network nationally. And there are various organizations that connect people from urban areas and coastal areas in Midwestern areas, uh, you know, Swing Left has partner districting that's interesting as a model. Um, and I think that if you can reach out to people who are struggling and feeling isolated and help them any way you can uh, in areas that don't have this cohort. Uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I talk about it in Shadow Network, my book, where, you know, there's a... Um, there's a very progressive organization that had scores of, of units on the Upper West Side in New York, which didn't need them, right? And then yeah. you have areas like Western Pennsylvania or Iowa where people are just in total isolation. So yeah. we as a nation have to reach out to each other and tolerate each other on a new level. Don't write people off because they're a Southern Baptist or a Catholic or a Jew or whatever, Say, do you have good values? Right. Do you want the kind of country we yes. all want for our children? And let's work together. Let's not let's not impose labels yep. that are religious or racial or anything else on each other. Let's let's look at people. The third is to support yep. the institutions that are pillars of democracy. And right now, information is key. So I'm talking about your local newspaper. That's a real newspaper that does real reporting, not the so-called pink slime. Right fake newspapers that the Columbia Tau Center has documented. But just just the reporters Mm -hmm. who are going to the school board meetings and the town hall meetings and talking about, you know, how to serve the community. Support it. Subscribe to it. Online, in print, better in print because that helps them more. Uh, But support them. And, And support them, like write letters and praise good stories. But also survey whatever your cohort is you know if you are uh you have religious connections look into the american values coalition look into uh good faith media and these other groups that are trying to break through the disinformation systems that are being imposed on their communities um Mm -hmm. amplify them support them help them spread the word uh these are people who are saying that pastors should not have the job of saving their congregations from fake ivermectin cures, right? That's right. that's not that's not right. Uh, 
mm. you know, it's, it's, it's finding ways to work together. Really the bedrock of democracy and in our, our atomized digital modern world, it's a little harder than it used to be, but I see it as the answer. Yeah, that's really valuable, very important, and I agree with you. Um, so can I offer my additional suggestions from my, you know, 47 years of activism after getting rescued from a right-wing fascist cult with connections to the Council for National Policy. So I see people like myself who are former cult members who have actually experienced the loss of our religious liberty, of our autonomy, of, of connections with family and friends who've come back to the world. I'm encouraging all of us who are willing to, to do like a hashtag, I got out. And the, go the goal is to destigmatize the fact that intelligent, educated, good people can believe these lies and follow people who are not trustworthy um, and to um, begin to train people how to talk to people who've been radicalized in a way that works because giving content, calling names, you know, blocking them on social media, all these things drive things in the wrong direction and is not going to help people come out of the rabbit hole at all. I would furthermore like to see a public health initiative and that um, that approaches undue influence as a mental health problem. Like it's a it's a mental virus. We need to develop preventive inoculation programs for children, but everybody. Uh, we need to train mental health and other educators and families how to help uh, interact with these folks in a way that's going to make it better and not worse. And we need recovery systems for people coming out who maybe have burned a lot of bridges, have no money, but they're out yeah. of one of these new apostolic reformation cults. And they could actually be a very powerful, potent voice yeah. if they were you know, um, listened to and amplified and such. Um, and I, I, I was talking with Jamie Raskin when I had a chance to meet him and he's read my books and I love Jamie Raskin and I hope he recovers quickly from his uh, lymphoma. But I said, is there any way we can have hearings in the Senate, in the Congress on QAnon, PSYOPs, brainwashing, mind control, I would add the Council for National Policy to have a kind of top-down media exposure to this stuff. So anyway, those are some of my things to add to your to your recommendations of what people could actually do. Um, I have um, another suggestion. Uh, looking again Please. at their revenue streams, media. Uh -huh. I, you know, I, I do have a bias towards the importance of media, but I think it's justified. Oh, totally. Cat. Hi, Pat. <laughs> she's. What's your cat's name, this by is, the way? This is Luna, and she's being very subversive. Um, Luna, meaning moon? Yes. Luna? Well, she's she's ah! a rescue from oh, Brooklyn, just kidding. and she came with the name, but it, it, it's. Okay, it's, I'm, te I'm teasing. <laughs> but. I'm teasing. Um, 
there's a documentary called The Brainwashing of My Dad by Jen Senko. Oh, Jen Senko's. And I think it's very helpful for people to understand how this disinformation works. There's another one, uh, which I appear in, called People You May Know. Oh, great. I I recommend it highly. It's an Amazon documentary. Yeah. I actually wrote a blog about that one. Oh, great. And they talk about glue, yes. right? The 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 Christian group in Colorado that's uh that's uh, selling people's data to manipulate. And them. I would say people should watch these and share them widely. Yes. Because I think a lot of people now can, you know, absorb different kinds of information through a documentary than than reading. Yep. So that's great. Also, there's a very interesting project that's run by uh, two women. One is Nandini Jammy, J-A-M-M-I, and the other is Claire Atkins, which tries to alert advertisers to when radical right organizations are advertising on their platforms. And so they will highlight that, you know, and, and, and so much of this is that you know, Procter & Gamble may not know that the Family Research right. Council is ads are running on their, yeah, et cetera. It's, um, so, so well, one of their front groups. Well, or one of these front groups, because a lot of these groups have front groups. Absolutely. Too, so so Nanjini goes back and to the research. Claire have a very good mm-hmm. Twitter feed, and they okay. they kind of uh, document how these ad campaigns are working and and feed this revenue into these organizations, which is you know. And the first rule of journalism is follow the money, right? Um, yep. And then my my Twitter feed is I'm constantly updating my research on Twitter because I can't publish it fast enough. So I'm at yes. A Nelsona, A Nelson A, for anybody who's interested. And and I follow you and have from the very beginning of my introduction to you, Anne. And uh, I'll just add one more documentary that is a must watch, which is the Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm by the Center for Humane Technology so that people can understand our brains are being rewired by being online for 10, 11 hours a day. And this is not gonna help us be human and to develop a a real world interaction and friendships. and, And we need to come back off of the belief that the digital world is equivalent to the real world. It isn't. This is the real world, and that's a creation. And I think that that ties back to what we were talking about before, because if you're surrounded with this media that is feeding you these lies, then people become very agitated over the idea that Democrats support birthday abortions on demand, which is the phrase that they mm. use. The idea that you could you could have an abortion on the day the child is born because you change your mind. And it's it's an outright lie. It's a scandalous right. lie. It, it you know, but they Big feed lie. people mm-hmm. this over and over again and it sinks in and then they vote on the basis of a lie. Right? Yep. And because they're not reality testing their source. And they're not looking for evidence that this actually exists because it doesn't. Well, but but they can't reality test it if they don't have other sources of information in their environment. Agreed. There's no test. Agreed. But that's that's where I go back to family members and friends. Mm -hmm. If you've blocked 
people you care about, reach out, say, I miss you. I want you in my life. I value you. We may have disagreements in the last five, six years, but let's let's go fishing. Let's yeah. go bowling. Let's start you know, connecting again. And I recommend a reciprocation type of interaction where you say, I really want to understand how you came to the beliefs that you're currently holding. You pick something that was really persuasive to you. I'll, I'll read it with you. I'll watch it with you. If it was a documentary, we'll discuss it. Then it'll be my turn to share something that was persuasive to me and we'll discuss it. And we'll keep going back and forth because I, I value you and I think you're really smart and I'm open to changing my mind. That's what I say with all my clients. Yeah. Hey, convince me that Harvard was the greatest man in human history. Yeah. Just levitate that ashtray and float <laughs> it across the room like he said you could and I'll join. And, you know, or we, but you need to understand the indoctrination, but we know what it is because people have left and I people like me have studied it. And I did a whole TEDx talk on dismantling QAnon and talked about it as a mind control cult and a psyop using alternate reality game theory. Um, so it, it's definitely doable, but you have to understand it's uh, you can't attack the leader of the doctrine or the group straight on because the thought stopping, the phobias, block it. So you have to talk about, and for me, the right wing, the most effective two things to talk about that will get past their filters like that is Chinese communist brainwashing and pimps and traffickers and how they recruit and indoctrinate people. Yeah. And then I get into the bite model. But I will say that the, the radical right is all about projection. And if you identify an issue, they will try to own it. And they've gone after both of those, obviously in a very spurious fashion. Um, well, I'm in the cult of Soros, you didn't know, <laughs> and I've been brainwashed. But I'm a um, I think there's another element here, which is about community. And, you know, if, if you're living in a place where there are kids in the local school who have to have a school lunch program because they can't get enough at home, you know, if there's a battered women's shelter that needs money, you say, why do they need money? There's something there, you know, we should, we should not lose the capacity to care about each other. And I mean, it even extends to, to of the, so of the Russian war crimes in Ukraine. And yeah. if you look at the radical right, it's all about not caring about anyone else and about rearranging the world to serve their greed. And, you know, is that the kind of human being we want to be? Is that the kind of country we want to yeah. be? I, I, I don't, I, I, I maintain the stubborn faith that it's not. I totally agree with you. And understanding mind control is real. And yours truly, meaning me, uh, I protested the war in Vietnam. I was in the last draft lottery. And there I'm in the Moonies thinking that, you know, democracy is satanic and we will change the constitution and kill people who don't agree with the moon ideology. It happened to me. Yeah. And if it didn't, I'd never believe it was possible. 
but it did. And that's why I, I can be persuasive with people who are like, Moon, how could you believe in him? He's a fat Korean billionaire with so obviously not the Messiah. And it's like, because these women flirted with me when my girlfriend dumped me at the cafeteria at Queens College the same month Patty Hearst got abducted by the Symbionese Liberation Army and she became Tanya. I became a radicalized uh, soldier for God, heavenly soldier for God. And I've been there. And this is why I'm so passionate about speaking about this stuff, because it happened to me. And I think that when you're dealing with people, you know, to keep this empathy in your heart, you know, not not you're the enemy, but thinking they're using you, you know, and to that extent, a lot of these people, even some of the, you know, the people on January 6th, you just go look at them and think they they're using you. Yes. My former cult was there. Sean Moon was was messaging. It was Antifa, as was the Washington yeah. Times, the Mooney newspaper. And but I do have empathy because I know that if my family hadn't rescued me, there was a chance I could have still been in yeah. and been yeah. there. So, so yeah, reaching you know, across the divide. Uh, that's that's the hope I see. Yes, and 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 treating people respectfully and not sinking to their level of. Well, they lie, so we need to lie, or or because they're, uh, you know, say, saying uh, attacking things that we feel like we have to attack back. And the most potent thing, and then we'll wrap up for me, is asking a, re a respectful question and waiting patiently for the person to think about it and answer, and then doing a follow up, and then doing a follow up. Because deep down inside, I believe everybody knows there's a fundamental problem with what they're believing versus their lived experience. Like there really is not, they don't live what they preach and they are not going to make the world a better place, even though they've been programmed to believe that, that they've been chosen to do this stuff. So, Ann Nelson, uh, I've learned a bunch. I'm going to ask you when we do the blog to put all of these organizations. We'll put links to them for activists. It'll come out a few days after. And the I'm podcast. I'm a I'm a researcher. I'm not an activist. I'm just describing groups that I've come across. I hear you. I hear you. And you are a great researcher and writer. And um, thank you so much for your time. Man. Thank you, Steve. Keep up the good work. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. 
These books are a culmination of 45 plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT and join our online community at IGOTOUT.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.